good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good to see you. Glad you're here. Thank you, praise team, for preparing our hearts and getting us ready and putting things in perspective this morning. Thank you all so much. I want to welcome you and welcome those watching and listening online. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series today called Transformed. And man, I really want us to... Uh, you know, have a better year than last year, right? Who doesn't want that? Um, you know, we're ready to see last year go and ready to see a new year come. And I believe that we can have a better year this year. I believe that we can have transformed lives in 2021, no matter what takes place throughout the year. Now, um, here's something that transformation has to have. It has to have a change on the inside. You know, so many of us have these goals and these ambitions at the beginning of the year to change things on the outside, and, uh, you know, we try, we attempt, and we quickly learn, I well, can't do it, or we don't stick with it, and that's because the transformation didn't occur on the inside first, and so our main verse in this series is going to be Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, and so let's read it together, and by the end of the series, I hope you will have memorized it. We're going to be spending uh, seven weeks in this series, so I think you can do that. It's a very powerful verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's such a, an amazing verse, such a strong verse there. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and so many of us need to do that today. And we're going to be looking at this principle here of transformation and renewal and rethinking differently. And we're going to be applying it to some very important areas of our life. And I'm going to mention something here, and you probably know what I'm talking about, or you may not. But it's called self-care. Self-care. Now, 10 years ago, this really wasn't a thing. Um, most of us didn't think about this, but it's a very important topic now. It's, it's, it's taking care of yourself. It's not being selfish. It's just making sure that you're taking care of yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. If you're at work and you don't take care of yourself, you're really not very good to your employer, right? Um, if, if you're all messed up, right, and, and you're a wreck, you're not going to be very productive or effective in your occupation um, or your personal life. So it's very important that we take care of ourselves. And so when I was thinking about a beginning of the year or a new year type series, like we always do, um, I wanted to look at some important areas of our life where we need to take care of ourselves. And I was thinking about um, spiritual and occupational within our workplace and um, relational within our relationships with others and how we can have a better year in those three areas. When I was discussing the, this uh, idea for a New Year series with Chad, uh, I think it was the same day. I might, it was within a couple days, maybe. Um, I got an email from this pastor out in California. His name's Rick Warren. You might know him, right? Um, but he didn't email me personally, right? I sub subscribe to his uh, devotionals and his. He, he actually cares for pastors. I love that about him. He encourages and sends emails out, you know, to pastors of churches. But in this, he he. Put the, phrase the question this way, how can you lead your church to have a better year in 2021? And in this, he started talking about all these key areas, and he was talking about um, 
relational and spiritual and occupational, right? And I was like, whoa, well, we were just talking about this. And he started giving advice and information and sharing scripture on, on how we can lead our churches to do that. But he also included things like mental health, right? Emotional well-being. And so what I wanted to do is just take his principles that he taught and, and share them with you and share, share my own ideas with you as well because they're so, so helpful, very beneficial to me because, look, um, I want to have a better year, okay? Um, I need more of God in my life. I need strength. I need help. I need the Lord. And so as this is this is helping me and breathing life into my into my life. I want it to to breathe life in, into your life as well, so that you can be transformed in 2021. Now, here's a foundational truth. Um, we're going to be talking about the spiritual part of our lives today. Here's a foundational truth: is that the further you get from God, the messier your, your life is. the The further you get from God, the more difficulties you have in your life. Now, if you think about the opposite, the closer you get to God, the better your life will be. The better your life will be because you grow closer to God. Um, the more transformed your life will be. Now, um, if I were to ask you if you want to grow closer to God, you probably would say, yeah. You know, a lot of us um, know that. A lot of us would say that. A lot of us know that we need to probably work and grow and strengthen our relationship with God. Um, but here's the thing. We are what the Bible refers to as sheep. And sheep tend to stray. Sheep tend to wander. Sheep just kind of naturally want to go off and do their own thing, right? And even the scripture tells us that all of us are like sheep. And that all of us go astray. And that all of us like to go our own way. We like to be in charge. We are like sheep. But yet... We want to grow close to God. So how do we reconcile those two things? How do we grow close to God? Well, thankfully, we have a story in the Bible, in God's Word, that tells us how we can get close to God, even though we're prone to stray. And it's the story of the prodigal son. Almost all of you are familiar with this section of Scripture. It's one of my favorites. I like to refer to it as the loving father, because really, um, it's more about the father than it is the son. But we're going to read this together. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read through the whole story. And then we'll talk about some important principles at the end. So follow along. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we just confess to you that we need you. We need you in our world, in our country. We need you in our lives. And you make all things better when you're with us. Father, today we just invite your spirit among us to lead us as we open up your word. Just speak to us what we need to hear. And may we be transformed when we leave. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible here. Um, this The son, it reminds me of me, okay? Son uh, thinks he knows a lot, right? Thinks he knows everything. And um, thinks he knows best, makes a, makes a bad decision, ends up leaving, ends up in a bad place, right? And then realizes it, and then decides to go back to the father, sort of in shame and in grief, and you're really left not knowing what, what's going to take place until the father just reacts in a way that you don't expect. You know, complete forgiveness there and restoration, and it really has a great ending, a feast and a in a celebration, and the son is brought back into the home. What an amazing story. We, we love a story like this. You know why? Because all of us have made bad choices. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have been like, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, I, how, how dumb was that decision? I don't understand why. I wish I could go back time and be like, share. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, Right? I would go back and do that again. I would do it over again. Excuse me. Um, the story is so relatable because all of us tend to stray away from our Father. All of us tend to wander away. Maybe that's you today. Um, maybe you're here today or you're listening or watching, and 2020 was the year that you separated from God the most, right? Or you grew distant in your relationship. Maybe you just dropped off the map completely. Or maybe you're here today and, and you know, you're not that far off, but you're still far off. And you know that you need to grow closer to the Lord. Wherever you're at today, we're going to learn some basic principles from this story on how we can get close to God. Because getting close to God transforms our lives, okay? First thing that we can learn from this is that in order to transform, in order to get close to God, you first have to become dissatisfied with your life. You have to be dissatisfied with your life. Nothing, nothing's going to change if you think, I'm good. You know, I'm good to go. You know, I'm all right. Look at verse 13 here for this guy. He squandered his wealth in wild living. He began to be in need. Now, is that something that he was satisfied with? No. No, he, squandered, he threw it all away. He began to be in need. And the scripture actually says that he longed. He longed for something to change. He longed for it. And notice in verse 17 there, he came to his senses. He, he, he came back around. 
he realized what was going on. He snapped out of it. He came to his senses. He became dissatisfied with, our, with his life, and he started thinking, man, what's going on here? What did I do? This isn't what I expected, right? I, I want to change. I want something different. Look, living apart from God, it just doesn't make sense at all. When you think about who God is, the creator of the world, sovereign God who loves you, who cares for you, who provides for you, living apart from him isn't rational. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. It, we think sometimes that we can find satisfaction over here when really only being with God satisfies. But you know what? Sometimes you and I, we have to learn that the hard way. We, we have to learn that principle that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, don't we? Um, I can remember when I w- was in college and, you know, moved out and, Man, I was so excited to be out of the house and to live my own life and to make my own choices and to experience freedom, right? And I was so excited. I thought I knew everything, you know. Um, that quickly dissipated, all right? <laughs> After a couple months, you know, I, I was thinking, man, it's nice to have a full fridge, you know. Um, after I started getting some roommates, um, and it was nice living in a house that didn't smell like a horse stall, right? And I began to think, and I began to become dissatisfied with the choice I made, you see. Um, my life started to change, and, you know, I begin to experience things differently, and I begin to have these little days and moments of regret where I was dissatisfied, Um this guy became dissatisfied with his life, and he wanted a change. Do you want to change today? Is that you? This is where transformation starts. It starts on the inside. It starts with a thought. It starts with a feeling, with an emotion that something's not right here. Something's off. This doesn't feel the way that it should be. I'm sort of feeling like I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life. You know, nothing's going to change at all unless you become dissatisfied with where you're at. You've got to be ready for a change. You've got to want a change. You've got to desire it. You have to, you have to decide yourself to come to your senses like this guy did. You have to get serious about wanting a change. Look at Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will seek me. This is God. You will seek me and find me. Isn't that reassuring that you can seek out God and you can find God? But look, there's a contingency here. You can seek me and find me when? When you seek me with all your heart. You know, you will find God when you get serious about finding God. You will. You will grow close to God when you get serious about growing close to God. When you get, when you want to grow close to God with all your heart, not just with your mind, but with all of you, when you get serious about it, you will. You will find him. You will find God when you want him more than what your current life is. When you say, God, I want to change. I need a change. And that change that I need is more of you. I need more of you. So the first step is to become dissatisfied with your life. Second step is this. Own up to my sin. Own up to my sin. I want you to pay attention to that word, my, there. Right? We don't like to do this. Um, we are overconfident in ourselves sometimes. 
And sometimes that is a smokescreen for pride. Okay, um, it's a disguise for pride when we when we don't um, own up to our own sin. This guy he came to his senses, and then notice what he does in verse eighteen. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So notice the change there. Notice how intentional he is. He got a plan together. All right, here's his plan. I'm going to go back, first of all. I'm going to return. And then I'm going to own up to what I did. I'm going to own up. He didn't, he didn't blame his father when he could have. He could have said, Dad, you didn't give me all my estate. You didn't give me enough. You didn't prepare me to do this, right? You didn't tell me what was out in the real world. He could have He could have done all that. He could have come up with this wild story. Think about it. He went into Gentile territory to care for pigs. He could have said that, um, man, I was robbed. Dad, you'll never believe what happened. These pig farmers robbed me and took everything I had. I, I need some more money. He could have went back and did that. He didn't do it. He owned up to his own sin. The Bible says that when we make bad choices in our lives, when we move from God, listen, very important, when we move from God, he moves from us. When we move from God, he moves from us. There, there's a separation that takes place. Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities are separating you. You see how that's sort of in the, in the present tense there? Your iniquities are separating you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. Have you ever felt like God is, is distant and maybe far off? Like, I don't feel God in my life. I don't see him. I don't hear him. I just, it seems like God's, you know, not around, that he's gone, that he's moved. Well, look, maybe he, he hasn't, but maybe you're the one that has. You know, maybe that's you that has moved. You know, when we allow sin in our life, we're actually allowing distance. We're allowing a gap to come in and separate us from God. And the truth is this, and this is going to be hard to hear, but it's so important. You are only as close to God as you choose to be. It's your choice. You are only as close to God as you choose to be. And so, look, you can't blame anybody else when it's your choice, can you? You can't blame mom or dad or brother or sister or neighbor or coworker or boss. or You definitely can't blame the government, right? You're only as close to God as you choose to be. So instead of blaming or, or you know, just sidestepping a responsibility, we need to own up. You need to own up to your sin. I need to own up to mine. We need to have this attitude in the prayer of Psalm 51. This is David here. And if you're a word person, like if you notice words in, in the Bible, I want you to notice all the personal pronouns, how David just really makes an emphasis here and stresses the importance of owning up to his sin. This is David's sin here. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly of, from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I 
sinned and done this evil in your sight. And it sounds very similar to the words of Jesus in the story of the prodigal son, doesn't it? Um, I wonder if Jesus was thinking about this verse in Isaiah when he shared that story. And what's David doing here in this? He's owning up. He's owning up. You know, if you're familiar with David's decision, he, very, he made a very bad choice. And in the beginning, he didn't own up. He blamed. He, he shifted responsibility. He blamed others. He lied. Right? He lied. But eventually, you know, he owned up. When there's things going on in our life that doesn't please God, he, he sends his spirit upon us to convict us. And man, you know, God will send some rain our ways from that. Sometimes he does that. And that's what David means by my sin is always before me. It's, it's always on my mind, like the Willie Nelson song. You know, the sin, if you live in that, it will always be on your mind. You'll always be thinking about it. I want you to notice that word there, acknowledge, and circle it. Well, just pay attention to it if you don't have a pen or don't have your Bible with you. Acknowledge means to recognize. means I'm taking responsibility for my actions. I'm owning up to, to my sin. I'm, I'm coming to my senses. I know that I've made some bad choices, God. I've made some bad decisions, and I'm committing today to asking for forgiveness. And what does God do when we come to him like that? I love Isaiah 118. This is God speaking. He says, come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. I love that. You know, if you think that you've made a decision that pushes you away from God forever, you're wrong. If you think you've made too many mistakes to ever reconcile or have a relationship with God again, you're wrong. You know, the God of heaven says this. Let's settle this right now. Let's take care of this. Let's nip this in the bud, and let's lock it away forever, okay? Let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. I love that. You know, in this time, in this culture, scarlet was like the wildest color in the world. There was so much difference between it and all the other colors. And, and God is saying, even though your sins are like this, I can wash them and make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Um, I like what Rick said about this verse. He said this verse is the stain remover verse. It's the OxyClean verse. <laughs> it, you know, OxyClean, right? You've seen the infomercials, right? Where This can get any stain out, guaranteed, or your money back, right? This is the stain remover verse you're never too far gone to be able to come back to god never so the first step is to get dissatisfied with your life the second step is to own up to your sin and then this third step give my life over to god i got to give my life over to god um, transformation is not complete until you decide to give your life to god notice verse 12 here and verse 19 i want you to notice the difference in the son from the beginning of the story to the end. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Notice the change in verse 19. He says, make me like one of your hired servants. Do you see the difference there? 
you see the transformation that takes place from, from give me, right? It's all about me. I want this. It's, it's selfishness. Give me this to God make me. God just make me. I, I try to do the give me part. I try to do my way part. I'm ready for your way. Just just make me. You know, when your heart moves from what you want for your life to what God wants for your life, you know what that is? That's heart transformation. It is. And, and when you get the heart transformation, you, you get the life transformation that follows. Everything changes. And look, this doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a process, right? But it starts here. It starts with a thought. It starts with a feeling, a desire that something's not right, that I need to change. And then it starts with owning up to your sin and saying, look, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and it's nobody's fault but mine. And God, I'm sorry. But then the transformation comes when you say, God, my life is in your hands. I give it to you. I give it to you. Make me into who you want me to be. You know, our main verse is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the transformation is what we want. But did you know there's a Romans 12, 1? There's a verse before 12, 2. There's a verse before the transformation. And so there's something that needs to take place before that. And notice this in Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to look, give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You want, you want to know what the true life is, the real meaning of life, the real way to live, to live life full, to the fullest, to have the abundant life. You want to know what that way is? To give you yourself to God, to give your life over to the God. And there's no transformation until that takes place. You know, God doesn't want lip service. He wants life service. God doesn't want us just to put Scripture on Facebook. Right? He, he's God. He knows. He, he doesn't want your, your lips, your words. He doesn't want surface-level stuff. He wants you to give yourself to him you know if you've been in church if you grew up in church there's this hymn called i surrender all you know so many of us sing it and it's just like words but that's what god wants like your your head your heart your life everything i give myself to you that's transformation um that's what god wants all of you and here's the truth and here's here's where we're going to really get to where we we can walk away uh, from this changed is that God knows that your life is so much better in his hands than it is in yours. When you look at this, this the son's life, his life was actually so much better back home when he was with the father than when he was out on his own. And the father knows that. God knows that your life is so much better when you are with him. Look at 15 verse 20. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
you know, aren't you thankful that God doesn't hold a grudge? You know, so many of our best friends, um, even family members, our own flesh and blood, when we make a bad choice, like, or when we offend somebody, there's grudges that are held. Can you believe that? That's terrible, isn't it? But God doesn't do that. God never holds a grudge. Actually, God is there waiting for you. He's waiting at the door for you to start making your way to him. He's He wants to hold you. He wants to reunite, uh, reunite with you. And then when you make the decision to turn and, and go to him, guess what he does? He runs to you. He, he runs to you. He doesn't wait on you to get to him. He goes to you. Look at verse 22. Quick, bring the best. Bring the best. That's what God does when we go to him. Bring the best robe and put it on who? On him. Put it on the guy that's coming back to me, right? Put it on the person that has desired a change in their life, that is coming and saying, look, I I made this mistake. I did it. On the one that says, make me, Father. Make me one of your servants. Notice what he does. Puts the best robe on him. Puts a ring on his finger. Puts sandals on his feet. Did you know this, that God is ready now to bring the best to your life he's ready he's waiting on you to come to him he wants to bring the best to your life so the result of a transformed life is forgiveness it's restoration it's blessing it's the life that god wants you to have who doesn't want to have that do you want to have that type of life i do i do well there's one last thing that we are to do and that's to don't forget to lift up my praise. Um, you know, after the change in this young man's life, after everything that happened, there's a celebration that takes place. There's a party. And um, the, the father says, bring in the fattened calf. Anybody like fattened calf? I, I don't know, but I like a thick, juicy burger. You know, I don't know about the fattened calf, and I don't really think about the whole process and all that stuff. But he said, let's have a feast, and let's celebrate. You know, God celebrates with you, and you need to learn to celebrate with God. You do. When you come back to God, you need to be joyful. You need to be praised. You, uh, you need to praise God. Psalm 30, verse 11, I love the way this explains what takes place um, in our lives. You have changed my sadness into a joyful dance. You have taken away my sorrow and surrounded me with joy. So I will not be silent. I will sing praise to you. Lord, you are my God. I will give you thanks forever. I love how it talks about change there. Remember at the beginning we, we said, you know, nothing will happen until you decide you need to change, until you become dissatisfied with your life. When we are ready for that, God's ready to give it. And, w- and when he gives it, look, he turns sorrow into joy, right? And, and what do we need to do for that? We need to celebrate. We need to praise him. We need to give him thanks. Folks, look, we need more happy Christians out there in the world today, celebrating and praising and lifting up God, the one who transforms, the one who changes, 
the one who restores, the one who forgives, the one who offers grace and mercy and second chances, the one who doesn't wait for you to come to him, but when you decide to come to him, he runs to you. We need more people praising God out there. Now, I'm going to ask Bob to come up. We're going to close out. I don't know how God has spoken to you today. I don't know where you're at in life. Maybe, you know, through this you've realized that, you know, there's some distance between me and God today. I've taken some steps back in my relationship with him. Or maybe you're here and, and, and you just need to strengthen and grow closer to God. You're not that far off, but you're still far and you know it. Maybe the, this is the year that you transform and really have that great that better year that God actually wants for you. We're going to spend just a couple minutes. I want you to pray to your father. Bob's going to play, and uh, we're just going to spend some time in prayer. we thank you for today God we just tell you that we need you we tell you that we are ready for a change this year and we ask that you just come into our lives Father we give our lives to you we realize that nothing apart from you can satisfy us and that being with you is so much better. Father, forgive us when we've made choices to stray. Wash us white as snow through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for a new opportunity and a new life that you give. We're thankful that you don't chastise us or beat us up when we come to you but you celebrate you're joyful and you change our sorrow to joy you change our sadness into dancing so father we lift up our praise to you father we're so thankful that 
you love us this way. Life is so much better with you. Keep making us into who you want us to be. Keep making us look more like your son, Jesus Christ. Go with us this year. Strengthen us. Encourage us. No matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, we know that you are our good father. And if we're with you, if we're with you, our lives will be transformed. Our lives will be better. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.